This is Danielle Grachek, founder of Canine Inspired Change. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast, where we explore the connection between humans and dogs and give you tools to strengthen your bond with your dog and with your community so you can get out there and do good with your dog. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. This is Erin. I'm joined by Danielle and our our tried and true producer, Mark Sterry. Um, and this week, we're joined by Drea Dalzell. Now, I'm connected to Drea through um, a nonprofit, Karuna Community. In the past, we had um, Mike Melios and Aaron Hunter on, um, and I'm really excited to connect with Drea. So, Drea, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Hey, Drea. Drea, I was reading your bio and I'm like, wait a minute. This is my long lost twin sister. Like everything. I'm like, yep. Been through that. Done that. Yep. Came back from that. And guess who helped me? My dogs. So (laughs) I really appreciate your vulnerability and your transparency. And I really appreciate you um, being willing to show up here and share your voice with us because it is needed. Um, We need more voices of women of color, women who have been through what you've been through, um, Um, and women who have done it with the aid of their dogs. So could you want to just tell us a little bit about kind of where you were, what happened, as we say, what happened, um, and and how you got here? Yep, absolutely. Um, Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited and just loving what you guys are doing. It is just, it's, it's beautiful. Um, but a little bit about me. So, um, I'm originally from the Southwest, um, born in New Mexico, moved to Arizona at a very young age. And, um, if we start way back, um, we moved into, to Scottsdale, Arizona, which is a, um, wealthy area, um, predominantly white neighborhood. I stood out like a sore thumb Mm. and, um, that is pretty much where my story um, of never feeling like I belonged begins mm-hmm. and takes me down this treacherous path of self-destruction <laughs> um, that started at a really young age. Um, I would say junior high, so probably 13, 14 years old, started dabbling with um, alcohol, which led me into my um, alcoholism at a very young age. Um, I, you know, interestingly enough, um, got good grades. I played varsity sports. I held jobs. So I thought I could do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's pretty common in, in those circles. So, um, I, by the time I was 20 years old, I had, um, two DUIs, um, and had lost my license for, um, quite a few years. I did, um, uh, house arrest, um, with the ankle bracelet on and an interlock in my house. I did, um, county jail. And then, um, when I finally got my license back, still had an interlock in my car, mind you, Mm -hmm. um, went and got my third DUI somehow, some way I found a way. Um, and Mm -hmm. in Arizona, it's a three strikes throughout felony. Um, that was prison time for me. So, um, life really flashing before my eyes, um, when I hit, (laughs) hit those prison, um, doors. And I, I, I say I only served four months. And the reason why I say I only served four months is because 
Um, in that process, that was probably one of the shortest amounts of time you would be sentenced to unless you're kind of reoffending and just finishing off a sentence or such. But um, I was one of the, you know, the fresh in and outs that, the, as they would call them, the people who didn't last very long. But to me, obviously, very life impacting um, and seemed like it, it, it went on forever. Um, I did my four months and I would say that this is the part of my life where um, <clears throat> a really large transformation happened. I will back up a tad because when I had, when I was arrested for my third DUI, I, um, I knew immediately what my fate was. I knew what was happening. And um, about a day and a half later, I called my friend. I had a few people in the AA program that were sprinkled around me, kind of like a miracle. Um, and she took me to my first AA meeting. Um, and I was blessed and lucky to be going into my prison sentence at a year sober. Yeah. Which rare, wow. Which is rare. Mm -hmm. Um, because what I found is people are trying to get sober, they're detoxing, mm -hmm. you know, they're going through the thick of it. Um, and they're doing it with lack of support of people who have sobriety under their belt, who mm -hmm. know that there's a different way to live life. And I was very, very, very blessed to go through that. And I think that part of my story is a game changer because what I learned um, when I was in that state prison was the lack of support um, and lack of hope. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the biggest thing that I became a source of that for so many women because they didn't understand how I actually was not forced sober outside. Ah. Um, that thought process was really um, kind of unfathomable to them. So um, I, I really, really, really think that um, my connection through mindfulness, yoga, um, just brought this different realm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course the pictures that I got in jail of my little puppy, yeah. who, um, everybody would come in cause it, he just had this little head tilt and I got him at about six months sober. And my, I remember my sponsor telling me, ah, you're cheating codependency. <laughs> it's that bad. And she said, no, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was single at the time I was young, you know, so that was my child. That was mm -hmm. everything to me. So, um, what's just that dog's about, name? His name is Jax and Jax. I still have Jax. Aww. He is two years old. Um, he has been through my marriage, my kids, our dog, our other dogs. Yeah. So he, he's my, he's my ride or die, I would say. So, um, he really was a huge part of that, um, just a different kind of connection that, unconditional yeah. connection that well, really got me through and just thinking about God, I wouldn't need humans right now. If I could just have that little fur ball at the end of my bed in here, I'd be okay. Right. Um, it, I just remember those feelings being so strong, but, um, well, yeah, I, I, go ahead. Well, I had an experience kind of like yours in that, um, my, my connection to my dogs was so strong that that really was, uh, kind of a the wind beneath my wings to get sober. However, you know, as as you 
the mindset is as you start to you know get to go on this journey where you're like okay wait a minute there is a problem like i'm powerless um you know it usually doesn't completely the switch doesn't just flip and you're like and now i'm totally powerless like there's different levels at least for me like i was powerless over some things but like other things i wanted to you know control still and one of them was i didn't want to go into rehab uh, inpatient rehab because i didn't want to like be away from my dogs um which for me, um, I ended up, you know, getting sober and I've had continuous sobriety now for 10 years. But my, at my first go of it, I did an outpatient and then I was sober for like, I don't know, four months or something and then relapsed. And then it was really like, oh, OK, yeah, I'm really powerless over all of this. But my dogs, first of all, I loved them so much and I just couldn't. Well, poor poor part of it is my control and my ego stopped me from harming myself because I just couldn't see how anybody else could take care of my dogs and I couldn't leave them. So I thought I had to be there for them, which it truly family members probably would have taken care of them or, or whatever. But, um, but in that case, you know, it wasn't detrimental. It kept me alive literally at least one night for sure. And then if I was like, well, if I can't kill myself, then I got to get better and everything was revolving around the dogs at that time. Um, my love for them, my need to control how their experience of the world is. Um, and so, you know, that really was the impetus that pushed me forward. And, um, you know, I can't imagine how you must have felt having to go in for four months and leave Jack's. Like, that was yeah. that just heartbreaking? It was. It was. And it was interesting because I would kind of laugh. I'm like, how is it that I can't be away from this little creature, yet I'd be totally fine saying, Mom, Dad, 100%. Love, yes. You know, like I'll see you in some time. Right. But that little furball is coming with me, you know, yeah. because there's something about that connection that right. just is. There's no judgment. There, I know. Well, know? do you know that show Survivor? Like everybody knows yes. Survivor, yep. right? Yep. Have you watched yep. it? Okay. I have not. I have not. I'm not a, okay. a huge Survivor fan. Well, I'm a Survivor freak. It. Well, I wonder why <laughs> surviving. Right? Like that's who. I, but there's there's a there's a week where like if you know starts out let's say with 20 people and whittles down to like six people or something, um, and so on week six they're they haven't seen their loved ones. They're you know going through rigorous like emotional and like physical turmoil and they they have this family week so they're standing on this beach and they bring in their family members and they just drop to their knees they're sobbing right and every time i watch this i'm like i don't know like the only human not human the only being i would have this reaction to is my dog like honestly i'd be happy to see people i don't feel like it would be like this heart-wrenching ah you know if it was my dogs yes um and that doesn't mean that you know i don't love the people in my life but you're right like there is some a stronger connection and also i think that speaks to some trauma right so i'm sure i mean there's the large number of us in uh sobriety that have experienced some sort of a disempowering physical event um and then so then you know the brain switches i'm yeah. not going to attach to you it's like the little duckling following around like the dog or the cat are you my mama you know like are you the person i attach to and if it wasn't people and the people were unpredictable and cruel in your life then if you had an animal around you 
like I think then you can attach to them. At least that's what I found. Absolutely. And, you know, there's that, I think that word that you used unpredictable, um, Mm -hmm. not feeling safe, not feeling seen, not feeling heard, all of those things. Like my big thing is being dismissed, not feeling like I belong Mm -hmm. since the beginning of time. And when this little thing loves you more than, you know, your appearance in the room is their existence. It's like, how do you not just want to never let that being down? So yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It is dependable. That uh is a big thing. You know, it is dependable. You can predict for the most part how your dog is going to receive you. Um, And if you're around humans and you can't do that, that is uh, psychologically damaging, you know? Especially if you're not in the space. I know for a very long time and throughout my sobriety, that's pretty much the case. Is right. I'm up and down. Yep. You know, I'm withdrawing. I'm wanting to isolate and I need connection, but I don't want to have to be vulnerable in the way of speaking. I don't want yeah. to be right, right, right. having to give. Yes. Sometimes I just need something to just, you know, like when you're sick and your dog calls yep. up next to you, it's like, okay, this alone can heal me. Just lay there. Let me pet you and just let your energy seep into me. There's something so healing about it. And, um, I just, I, I don't know how I lived so long without having animals because I was what, 24 years old when I got Jack. Mm -hmm. How did you, how Um, did you two come together? So funny story. I knew I had wanted a dog. And I was telling a friend of mine, she's actually the friend that took me to my first AA meeting. I was like, I want a little dog. I, I need him to be hypoallergenic, have these allergies, right? So we start talking about it. And, you know, she asked some questions and a conversation. But I, I never kind of bit the bullet. Well, one day she sends me this picture, this little jet black, curly, fluffy cotton ball. <laughs> and she's like, um, so I got this for you. Um, and you can come pick him up with all his stuff today at my house. So she had been looking and they found this family that had some puppies and she went and she picked them up. And I, I later after work that day, went over to her house. She had gotten me, um, training pads, food, Mm. all the thing leash. I mean, like everything I could need, like your, your puppy starter kit. Yeah. And she sent me home with this little thing and. I was living with my mom at the time because obviously my life was in shambles. Um, and she she was like, what did you do? And my mom fell in love with him within like six hours. She's out trying to take him for a walk and she fed him like gourmet meals, you know. So, yeah, yeah he was gifted to me. Probably the most um, powerful gift I've ever received um, from another human being. So, um yeah, he just he was he was literally found and picked out just for me by somebody who knew me well and they picked right cuz I think he's it got my personality. I think you bring up good points about um well, first of all, if people aren't in a 12-step group, what we're referring to about getting, you know, codependent and getting a dog at six months sober and things like that is they tell you not to get in any relationships um, prior to a year sober. Um And I think that if people are looking to adopt a dog in their early sobriety, I think you bring up good points in that if you have a support system, right, you have a backup plan, you're living with your mom, you have a friend, you have friends that can check in, is this dog doing well? Are you doing okay with this dog? Um, 
And then if anything should go awry, that dog has a place to go, then, you know, I think that's a good that's a good way to look at it because dogs will. I have a puppy right now and I'm 10 years sober and there are days when I'm like, ah, and I'm a dog trader. Like it is not easy. Um, Even if you adopt an older dog, it just depends on the dog. But like there is an integration period in time. And, and so the whole reason for that is you will get stressed. There will be anxiety. Guess what? Things won't go as you planned. <laughs> and so in early oh, yeah. sobriety, that can really be a trigger. Um, so that's what that's why we talk about that. But anyway, so okay, great. Well, it worked out well for you. And then you have two other dogs now. Is that right? We've we've had two. Um, one actually, he he passed um, shortly after we got him. Um, that was Maverick. Um, he was a lab mix. We rescued him. Um, and then actually, it's funny because my husband worked for animal control uh, for the city of Saint Cloud. And it was a dog that was in one of the shelters. And he's like, he's crying all night long. Like, uh, it's breaking my heart. And and I I wasn't, you know, I'm over here thinking, like, if I get a dog that has, you know, fur instead of hair, am I going to be, my asthma going to be a mess? I'm like, fine, bring him until they can, you know, find a home for him. We can, if they'll allow it, you know, we can keep him here. Well, we had him for a few days and it was time for, you know, them to kind of get him back in and try to get him viewed by some families and i was like yeah we'll we'll send him back to find a home and like the second my husband left to take him back i was like crying bawling Mm -hmm. and i'm like bring him back Mm -hmm. so he did and he we we permanently homed him here um unfortunately he was he he was hit by a car that was a tragic Mm -hmm. really difficult situation um and um it actually was interesting because that was, you know, we had Jax and we had Maverick. And when Maverick was gone, Dan and I were like, there's something, once you have multiple yeah. animals in your home, it's so weird. Just like having a single animal when they're gone. Yes. It's, it's almost like the, the balance is off. Like yeah. something's not right. right. So yep. we, um, we started looking for rescues and we had actually found Remington or Remy our dog now on a rescue site and they had asked us all kinds of questions and denied our application. And Dan and I were like, well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. So they were having a viewing at a pet store in Maple Grove. So we went down there mm-hmm. and he was there and she was interviewing us and we're like, you actually denied our application. She goes, well, the reason we did is because my husband hunts and he said that on the application that he'd like him to be a hunting dog. And uh. she was concerned what if he doesn't hunt? Oh yeah. Are you going to then want to bring him back? And I'm like, no, then no. he sits on the couch no. with me. Like, no, there's a plan. And she laughed and she's like, that's what we were worried about. And sure enough, he doesn't hunt. He's kind of a big chicken. Mm-hmm. He's an 85 pound chicken mm-hmm. and he does sit on my lap. He thinks he's a lap dog. Um, and he doesn't hunt with Dan. So it's fine. It worked out fine. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's a whole new type of spirit in this house. He is the sweetest, kindest, human eyes that I've ever seen. He gives hugs, um, which is my favorite thing about him. And Jackson, him took some while to warm up, but now they're pretty, um, they, they kind of spoon and little spoon, even Aww. though Jack's the little one is usually the big spoon, but, um, yeah. So now those are our two, our two kiddos and they're great with my two daughters. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old mm. and watching that is fascinating. Yeah. Right. Something with your kids and your first fur babies that just 
warms your heart. But yeah, so we're a full house. We are a full house. And if I could have more dogs, I totally would. But well, and I'd, I'd, no. I'd love to hear about the dynamic of because Jax, clearly there's there's just so much history between you two. And then to be able to raise like human babies yeah. around this yeah. this animal this being that has so much history with you what's that like uh, so it's actually become kind of a joke that Jax is a grumpy old man and he's not what it is is he's gone through so many transformations through his and my life first we meet dan who's my husband you know then we move from arizona to minnesota so i've now relocated him um and then he gets boom this new family so really we're <laughs> COVID is the best thing to happen to Jax in his entire life ever. <laughs> because, um, you know, he, you could tell. And I told Dan, I'm like, I'm not giving him enough attention. It's breaking my heart. Like I need something for him. Well, now that I'm working from home, like I said, he usually works right by me. He sits by me all day long. Um, we go and walks at lunch. He's getting that one-on-one time that he wasn't getting when I had to go work into the office. And it has been tough. I mean, these 10 years on him, I've seen changes, behavioral things. I mean, he went from being potty trained to, you know, marking in the house and, you know, just things that mm-hmm. you could tell he was stressed. So it was, it was tough for him. Um, but now we are back into kind of this really cool, cool swing where I get to spend all day with both dogs. Um, there's some days too where Dan will take Remy out kind of scouting for his hunting spots and Jack stays with me all day and we just have a couple sessions and I pretend to work, you know, that's what we do. (laughs) Nice. So yeah, it's, and now integrating him into the family with the kids, you know, it's, it's really funny because I remember seeing like, I think it was Marley and me when he has kids and he's looking into the Hmm. kid's bedroom because that's where the dog's sleeping. And I'm like, I don't ever want my dogs to go sleep in the kid's bedroom because they need to sleep with me, you know, like, no. But now when I catch Remy, because he's a protector, he sleeps in between the share room. He sleeps in between the crib and their bed until it's time for Dan and I to go to bed. And then he comes and he sleeps on our floor in our bed. So it's just interesting. It's like they make the unspoken rules in our house. They're the protectors of certain things. They're, you know, they each play their role with my children, which I just... And they get it. They They get it. And they know how to adjust. And just like with us, sometimes when a dog is going through a transitional stage or a hard time, it's like, do you expect to never have a hard time in your life? We're just there for them. We help them out the best that we can. And we just accept what is kind of. Um, So I, I actually texted I think it was Aaron. I think it was you a, a, a couple days ago. And it was just about some issue we were having, like, with the office or, or some some kind of internal issue. And I was, and it resolved itself. And I texted, so all my fears were unwarranted. And, was, and then I was like, was wait, me. as soon as me. I sent it, I'm like, somebody needs to paint that on my front window or something. Like this, because that's always the case, right? Um but I'm curious about how your dogs um, support your just spiritual life and your daily reprieve based upon a spiritual condition. Oh, my goodness. Um, so for me, I'm definitely more of a spiritual than a religious person. I think that's a pretty common thing as well. But I get a lot of my my filling up my tank outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and with these two dogs... It is sitting out on my um, deck in the spring or summertime 
Um, they come and lay right next to me. They're sunbathers, both of them. Mm -hmm. So we'll find the sunspots in the house and that's our quiet time. And you know, it's funny because through my yoga practice, I think many animals are like this. Mm -hmm. Um, they find a place on your map. It becomes their sacred place as well. Um, but there has been this, um, knowing that even when they're, you know, chasing each other, going crazy, the second that I make that intention to sit, be still, um, you know, it takes them a second to quiet down. They're both laying beside me. They both know their role. Um, it's almost like it's been created for a space for both of us. And I have so many pictures of them, you know, I'm trying to move on my mat and there's a big old lump on, bump on the log, you know, mm-hmm. laying right there. Cause he wants to be in it too, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're a huge part. They're a huge part of my spiritual practice because, <clears throat> you know, if you think about it, you can't, talk to your dog and have them talk back to you per se, but there's that inherent knowing that you're kind of on the same page. So when I sit down and say, okay, it's time to be quiet, be still. And they sit down and they're quiet and they're still, it's like, all right, I do this for them as well. You know, they need that calm. They need that time one-on-one. And it's become just really fascinating just to um, feel that energy, you know, and I, I say that my big dog has the human eyes um, because I could literally look into his eyes and it's like, if there's not a higher power, I don't know what is yeah, because right. there's some magic in there. There is right. some magic happening because it like goes straight to my heart. And I'm not a crier. I never have been, but like looking at him, I just like, I feel so many emotions and same with Jax. He's just this fluffy little nugget that I just, it makes me feel all the feels. I'm like, if there isn't a higher power, then I don't know what's happening because this is this is beyond me. Right. Can't explain. Right. And it's definitely not evidence based, but I have always felt like dogs are here to help us. I think there's a lot of helpers um, out there Um, and just depends on what, you know, your proclivities are. But I think dogs are definitely here to help us. And they also give you something to focus on that is not your internal dialogue of the default mode network that wants to spin around and, and worry or do mental gymnastics or, you know, rearrange the furniture, all the things that we say. Um, however, interestingly, um, that I think I've used that so much that when I have, maybe some like PTSD stuff come up or some things. Uh, maybe I'm not even realize I'm worrying about something. It's buried. I focus too much on my dogs and then I get worried about their well-being. So I'm sussing that out right now. I'm, it's kind of coming around. Um, so, you know, any type of 100% focus, I think on anything is can can spin you out a little bit. Well, you know, we're looking for moderation and balance. And also that's not yeah. fair to them. Um, right. But it just can be a tool like yoga is a tool or breathing exercises or, you know, daily meditation, whatever it is. You're like, oh, I get to be with my dogs right now. Um, and, and that is a great tool, I think, as well as, as then getting out there and volunteering with them because we all know being of service to others is where it's at. Um, exactly. And in a selfish way, you know. Because it keeps you, it keeps us sober, but it also keeps us um, not thinking about ourselves and, you know, kind of doing good in the world to our capability. So, you know, it starts out kind of in a selfish way and then it kind of comes full circle. Um, 
And I think it's ebbs and flows of that. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Go through my sobriety. I mean, gosh, I even look at like I I joke with Max because you know he's he's getting older, so he wants his, he he wants to be close, but he doesn't necessarily want to be in your lap. Anymore. Yeah, I have one of those um, too. And I'll be like holding him, and I'm like, love me, and yeah. he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he's like, boundaries, I'm not. lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, can yeah. you step back? I'm not your crutch. Um, yeah, so <laughs> letting him be a teacher, letting both of them yep. be a teacher. Or Remy is totally obsessed with his dad. Like, he loves me, I can tell. But, mm-hmm. like, when dad's home, he's like, gotta go. It's been mm-hmm. real. And he's, he's gone, you know? So it's like but observing those relationships, too. And, and, and <clears throat> having these two dogs has absolutely made me a better parent because... Mm. Just looking at him from that perspective and being an advocate, you know, and granted raising kids is hard because they know they have their own, you know, minds and they can speak and do things. But with the dog, I had to be their advocate, you know, I had to take my ego out of the picture, like you're saying, and not use them as a crutch and really be like, okay, is this about me or is Mm -hmm. this about them? Right. You know, and, and use those tools. So it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely been a journey and the way they have helped me grow is, is I, I, I again, I don't have words. Right. I just don't have words. I get it. I get it, sis. All right. So <laughs> I, we just really appreciate you so much. We definitely want to have you on for part two. Are you available yeah. for that? Yeah, because absolutely. my big question is we are, um, a, basically woman run business, uh, of Caucasian women. And we want to hear from a woman of color. Um, how can we do better? What do we need to hear? What do we need to listen to? What aren't we getting? Um, and cause, cause you know, when we all do better, we all do better. <laughs> um, and we are acknowledging that we, how could we possibly know that perspective? So, um, everybody, uh, if you want to hear, uh, more from Drea, which how could you not? Cause she rocks. Um, please <laughs> tune in next week for part two. Um, and we're going to hear, um, we're just going to listen. Um, yeah, I think that's the best thing we could do right here. Right. Laughs. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, okay, everybody. So Drea, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And everybody, uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, we see I see you. And get out there and do Do good good with with your dog. dog. Bye.